brand new podcast, everybody. And it's a great one. It's with Jim Gaffigan. And Jim has a new special out. But while I, while I have your ear, Jim has a new special out on Amazon called Quality Time. Check it out. Jim is one of the one of the best comedians in the game. One of the top earning comedians, too. They just had it uh, posted, on, I think, on Forbes the other day. But one of the best. He's rightfully on that list because he is awesome. I mean, awesome. And he's got like six movies coming out. The one I just watched. What was the name of the one I just watched? Uh, American Dreamer, right? American Dreamer comes out September 20th. Uh, it's a really intense movie. Holy shit. We talk a little bit about that. We talk about stand-up. We talk about his family, about him meeting the Pope. It's I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that. Body Shots World Tour picks up in one month. In one month, I am in San Francisco. September, it's a little less than a month, but September 12th in San Francisco, the 13th in L.A., 14th in Caboo, and the 15th at the Celebrity Theater in Arizona, and it keeps going. Madison, Detroit, Kalamazoo, Kansas City, Omaha, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Houston, North Charleston, South Carolina, Jacksonville. I can't wait to go surfing in Jacksonville. Fort Myers, Syracuse, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Virginia Beach, Baltimore, Montclair, New Jersey, Huntington, New York, Cincinnati, Columbus, Chicago, Fort Wayne, Fresno, Reno, Las Vegas, and Cleveland. We added new shows. In uh, in Omaha, and I think in New Jersey. Where else do we have news? And Maryland. Baltimore, New Jersey, maybe New Jersey. New York. We just added a bunch of shows. This Today, we added them today. Uh, pre-sale is now. Use the promo code SHOTS to get your tickets for the added shows. And general sale for those shows go, goes on sale Friday. Go to burtburtburt.com to get any ticket for any of those shows i hope to see you on the road i am getting ready for my next special so this hour is going to be tight you're gonna love it hopefully and if you don't i'll change it that's how that works two bears one cave is out now uh the newest episode is out now this week we dropped monday it uh thank you everyone for everyone enjoying two bears one cave um this it's like these have turned into massive promos new something's burning came out this week I'm just putting out a bunch of free content. The payback is if you like it, come see me live. That's all. That's all I want. See the people that I have on their lives, support their projects. Like I said, Jim's new specials on Amazon. He's the front runner in that. No one else is going to Amazon. Jim's the first one. So pay it forward. Take a second. Go to Amazon. Get his special. Um, yeah. Burr announced his specials on uh, on um, Netflix coming out. I think September, no, October, no, September 10th, October 10th. I don't know, but I'm sure I'll be promoing Burr special when it's there. This podcast is brought to you by Quip. Quip is a fantastic toothbrush that I bring on the road with me. It's got a cover, a cover that mounts very easily onto uh, the mirror. I put one on my tour bus. I have one in my backpack. I have one in my bathroom. It's fantastic. Sensitive sonic vibrations for effective cleaning. For gentle, sensitive gums, built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides and help you keep your mouth clean because most people don't brush your teeth long enough. A multi-use cover, which I love, that works as a cover so you can throw it in your backpack and works as a stand that you can put on the mirror. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended every three months for just 
$5, a friendly reminder to stay refreshed and commit to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews, and they now have a kid brush. The new brush is the same as the original version, just tweaked down for the kids so the kids are inspired to brush better and stay healthier with oral care because it looks and feels like the products their adults in their lives use, and they're proud to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without the childish gimmicks. I absolutely love this toothbrush. It's my road toothbrush. It's my bus toothbrush, and it is my home toothbrush. My daughters have this toothbrush. My wife uses this toothbrush. The toothpaste tastes fantastic. I have a problem with weird-tasting toothpaste. And now you can try it. I have them sitting right next to me in my man cave. I have bags. I end up giving them away to guys that come on the podcast. They're that great. Quip starts at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Burt right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That is your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Burt. This podcast is also brought to you by 23andMe, of course. DNA testing can tell you anything you need to know about your ancestors and where they're from. But did you know it can give you a lot of genetic information about your health and traits? Understand more about yourself today and inform how to live your life and go forward. With 23andMe's health and ancestry service, you can learn how your genes affect your health. I love 23andMe. It's something we did as a family, and it was fun as crap. There's a whole world of genes just waiting to meet you an 125-plus personalized genetic report on your health, traits, and more. The right personal health plan starts with the right data. Your health reports can give you insights about your DNA so you can build a health plan that's unique to you. Type 2 diabetes can be impacted by hundreds of genes. Other things can play a role too, like lifestyle and family history, but the type 2 diabetes report was made possible by the 2.5 million 23andMe customers who consented to be part of the research. Harmful blood clots. Certain versions of the F2 or F5 gene can also increase the risk for harmful blood clots. High cholesterol. People can have a version of a gene that leads to very high cholesterol, which can increase the risk for heart disease. And most importantly, hereditary breast and ovarian cancer reports. The certain versions of these genes can increase the risk for developing breast and ovarian and prostate and other cancers. 23andMe reports do not diagnose diseases or describe overall likelihood of developing any diseases. 23andMe tests selected genetic variants only. Visit 23andMe.com slash BERT for important test information. Order your health plus ancestry kit at 23andMe.com slash BERT. You can meet your genes in 125 plus personalized genetic reports. That is the number two, three, and me.com slash Bert. This podcast is also brought to you by Ring. You've heard about neighborhood watch groups, right? Neighborhoods looking out for each other, keeping their community safe. Well, get this. The neighborhood watch is now an app on your phone. You're probably wondering, how does that work, Bert? The app is called Neighbors, and it's by the Ring Company. The company behind those video doorbells and security cameras that we all love. With the Neighborhood app, you receive real-time crime and safety alerts from your neighbors. It helps you stay safe and informed about what's going on in your neighborhood, and it is completely free. You don't even need a Ring device. 
I absolutely love this neighbor's app. It tells you everything. There were these kids that were going and kicking in doors, front doors. I forget what they were yelling. So interesting. But it, it, it was posted on this, and I was like, oh, God, thank God. You know, I know now that that's going on in the neighborhood. So I downloaded the app, set up my base, my home base, and my neighborhood. And just like that, you get alerts from your neighbor. All the posts and comments are anonymous. The fact is, this app is making it easier for my neighbors to work together and help the community stay safe. There's millions of people already using it. It's like a new neighborhood watch powered by the people. So if you want to see what's going on in your neighborhood, text BERTCAST to the number 555-888 to download the Neighbors app today. That's BERTCAST, B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T to 555-888. Make your neighborhood safer today with the Neighbors app by Ring. Uh, this is a slamming podcast. I want to get you into it. It is awesome. Jim Gaffigan, like I said, is one of the best we got in the business. His new special is called Quality Time on Amazon. You can go to Amazon and get it. Fucking watch it. I watched one clip about horseback riding online the other day and was howling laughing. His new movie, American Dreamer, along with another six that'll be coming out, Being Frank is one I really want to see. Uh, comes out September 20th, American Dreamer. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, today's BirdCast, Jim Gaffigan. This is BirdCast. By the way, I'm more passionate about that than I've ever been about <laughs> It's such a weird journey, right? Oh, dude, here, grab a seat. Your kids know you smoke pot? Uh, yo, dude, I got caught in the worst way possible. Because it smells like weed in here. Do you, is this where you smoke? <laughs> How old are your kids? 13 and 15. So, Jim, <clears throat> we're on a wine tasting tour in Napa with my wife and my, my family. My wife gets drunk. My wife never gets drunk, right? Yeah. She gets drunk. We're doing a wine tasting. And George and I are like, God, mom's drunk. And I was like, yeah, can you believe it? And they're like, how come you don't get drunk, dad? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so they, I go, I, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't get crazy it's, like it's mom. It's the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah, so I go to, I say to, they say to mom, have you ever smoked pot? And my wife goes, yeah, like four times. Now what my wife doesn't know is like a month later, late, earlier, I had lied to both my daughters and said I'd never smoked pot. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. then they, and so they look and they go, how have you never smoked pot dad but mom smoked pot and i say to them we're in a big bus like my whole family's with us yeah. so i say to them i pull them aside i go listen um i won't smoke pot until you guys are 21 when you guys when George, isla turns 21 you're 23 georgia yeah i'll smoke it for the first time with you guys i won't smoke it until then <laughs> so cut to i go to do my europe tour i come yeah. back i'm doing something's burning my cooking show in new york yeah i do an episode with big j yeah and fucking dance soda and we get high and leanne calls and she goes hey i'm worried about you i know you've been partying in europe i know you're doing something's burning are you okay and i go actually babe, i didn't even really drink today i drank in the last episode but i didn't yeah. even drink today at all and then i look at big j i go actually i take that back i got high with big j and dance soda and my wife's silent she goes um you're on speakerphone with your daughters wow georgia my nerdy daughter yeah georgia says <clears throat> how long has this been going on oh wow i was like I felt so fucking bad. It's, you know, it's weird because you don't want to, obviously, there's the larger thought 
which is that it's not going to kill you. Yeah. But we also do have friends that like did the wake and bake thing and just kind of like, you know, never left their room. Never. It it it, it has stunted so many of my friends' yeah. personalities. Like, like, I feel like I have friends that started smoking pot in high school and then that's when they stopped growing emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And I, I smoke every now and then. I smoke a little bit. I'm growing. Here's the problem: is I'm growing pot plants. There you go. That's normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my daughter's. You know growing. how like you grow pot plants. <laughs> you wait a minute. So you're growing pot pa- plants, and you're surprised. Like, wasn't your daughter like they know? <laughs> they had no clue. They're really? Like, Dad's just growing them for fun. <clears throat> it is interesting when you have kids how they're relatively uh, uninterested in your career. So like oh. we could we could talk about anything here. My kids would never hear it. My kids will never hear anything. They don't. You know the last thing they want to do. Yeah. I mean, my fifteen year old is obsessed with Mulaney, but I'm like, you could listen to mine. She goes, uh, yeah, I sure. <laughs> Wait, how many do you have total? I've got five kids. That's so many kids. It's so many, and you've got two. I got two, and I can't imagine. <clears throat> I'll tell you what you got that I don't got though. What's that? I have a, I have a a clock ticking to when it's just me and my wife and that scares me that's interesting that really scares me that it i mean we don't talk about anything other than our kids like we don't well the empty nest thing but i don't know it's like i mean i've seen glimpses of your relationship with your wife it's pretty vibrant it's a great i love her but i love her because I, i don't know but i can't imagine it's just me and her yeah, but like it's like you can't even when you were having kids, you're like, I don't know what it's gonna be like, because then there's like having a baby, and then kids reach the age where they're like, never go to sleep. You're like, can you go to sleep so I can have sex with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they never. So like, there's it changes all the time. It's either adjust or die. And you're married to a strong woman like mine. So, so you're, it's does, like, do your kids? Do you, this is the thing. I, 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 this is a weird question, but do your kids remember being poor? Like poor, poor. Like when I knew you. You know, because we lived in a two, uh, a, an apartment, like maybe 1,100 feet. Yeah. You know, um, my older ones remember it. Um, but also living in New York City, I don't know. It's weird because there are things that, my wife because my wife grew up poor and she was like i never had this i never had my this. wife grew up poor too yeah. and my wife is always saying that yeah i never had this you guys and so it's weird but yeah no because you don't want to raise douchebags no. so but my you know i feel as though there's nothing glamorous about at least my life you know what i mean you it's, live a pretty regular a life i'm basing that off your yeah. tbs show yeah because i remember watching that and going like you seem like you live a very regular life. It's pretty. It's pretty normal. I mean, it's pretty chaotic. Like I would say, touring, which I do often, is when I sleep. Yeah. Like the just the uh, the commitment, as you know, it's like the commitments, parent teacher conferences, curriculum days, like all this stuff. It's like now you got to go and see them in a play. It's like there's no free time, especially if you have six. There's or five. five there, yeah. there, you are literally that is a round robin of activities. September is you know it's just there's always a curriculum night. There's always kind of like 
just you know first day of school stuff it's it's you know my wife is already stressed it's august now she's already stressed about school starting oh we're doing we're doing the slow roll into waking up early oh really we're, we're, yeah we're like training them to go and hey guys we've we've been we've been on vacation literally we went on vacation for six weeks yeah and so the girls have been sleeping till noon yeah and now this morning we set alarms to get everyone up at 6 30 because wow and and 8 30 no one was still awake can you believe that as a comedian you're even a parent like that is i have said that to my daughters i go can you believe i'm your dad <laughs> is that weird and they're like yeah it can be a little aggressive <laughs> it's just but but comedians in general i mean even outside of the machine yeah <laughs> it's like comedians are not we're not we're these nocturnal beasts it doesn't make sense that we would be in charge of like supporting someone else or even kind of like emotionally guiding them through this chaotic world. I, I sometimes, uh, I remember one time I can say this because we're friends, but Dalia was like, uh, was like, you mind if I get up real quick? I want to get out of here. Yeah. And I so badly wanted to go, Hey, you don't have drop off at six 30 in the morning. Yeah. Like, can I, do you mind if I just go? Cause I gotta get to bed. Cause I gotta fucking wake up with two kids. You get yeah. to sleep till 11 with a model and wake yeah. up and go to the gym and have a juice yeah. and yeah. go for a hike with your brother and your friends. Yeah. And I felt like, I, but I never, you'd never say that, but, could, but you definitely, there's sometimes where I'm at the store where I go, guys, I, I, a 10 30 spots late for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I will do Tripoli's early show, but like sometimes I won't even call into the ORs. I'm like, 10 30 they'll put me up at 10 30 yeah and i go i won't get out of there until 11 technically and then it's then there's decompression time uh, what i do in new york is i won't i mean some of it is i have a relationship at gotham and at eastville which is now in brooklyn and i have a relationship in the stand where i can call up and go uh can I swing in and do a set? And they'll put me on. It's an amazing setup. Oh, it's an amazing setup because that way I don't even have to, because as you know, with kids, it's like, you're like, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, there's this meltdown. There's this drama at school. So then it might be like, it might be eight o'clock and I might be like, I'm not going to do a spot. And oh my then, God. You're the first person to ever fucking say that. Yeah. I've, I'm like that all the time. I call on my veils and then I'm sitting there going, God damn it, I can't go tonight. I, it's right. it's chaos in this house. Right. Right. I can't go. There's it's, there's serious drama going down, and you're like, I'm gonna go and tell some diarrhea jokes. <laughs> you can't really do that. And then you have to shift gears. That's why touring, I do nothing during the day when I tour if I'm not with my kids. Like I'll just listen and to my set and kind of write and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I don't have that luxury when I'm it's like if I'm running in and doing a set, it's not like I was thinking about stand-up for the past eight hours. I was literally doing, you know, dinner and trying to wrestle a screen away from a six-year-old. Yeah. It's insane. It really is. And I I it's funny to watch my like right now my all my friends are having kids, meaning yeah. like they're like like Rogan's are are closer in my in age to yeah. mine, but like Bird just had a kid. Segura just had a second kid. Like Brennan Schaub's having another kid. Like you're watching everyone have kids. Yeah. And and I just want to go like talk to me in 10 fucking years. Well, it is it's well, there's also the philosophy of like you'll show pictures of your kids on yeah. social media. Oh. And I do that too. 
And then there's some people that don't ever bring up that they have kids or they put like uh, some like a heart image. emoji over yeah. their kid's face. And so my approach is kind of it's I, I think people that like my comedy are not going to stalk and murder my children. Uh, yeah. But I also think that I'm not embarrassing them. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I'm sure I'm like, embarrassing mine. Uh, well, That's, I've taken the approach here. Can I tell you my problem is that I got into the business when it was like you talked about what you knew and you yeah. know and I, I didn't know another way to do it yeah. so i just did that and then yeah. I, when i started dating my wife i talked about having sex with her or what yeah. a date or whatever and when i had kids I was, I, I was i definitely i'm not saying i'm famous but i wasn't famous at all so like i used social media the way a regular person used it like yeah hey guys i grew up with this is what these are my daughters you yeah know, like absolutely so I, I started posting before i had any success and then i was on travel channel no one gave a fuck about my family and so and then I started talking about my kids on stage. Yeah. I have one joke that Ian Bag pulled me aside. He goes, that is where your comedy's going. It's about my daughter putting her finger in her ass and then putting it in the dog's mouth. And, and I was like, I was like, really? He goes, that's, he's like, don't try it. Cause I was trying to be like yeah. a young, you know, like Dane, Nick Swartz and like a young, like yeah. fun guy. Like, yeah. And then he's like, you have, you have a daughter who's putting her finger in your ass and putting it in her ass and putting it in the dog's mouth. That's where you should be going. And so I started right, right. going that direction. Now it's, I've taken it. I think I've gone too far east sometimes. Well, there is something about obviously you're, you know, you're you're constantly getting feedback from your children and your wife and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's like, it's some of it is you know, look, their dad is the machine. <laughs> but I do think it's weird how some people have kids, and you wouldn't think that based on their act based on their social media it's like oh. what do you spend time with your children because i also <laughs> feel as though as long as my act is not all kids material yeah that's that's the goal the goal is to like i always have like five or, or ten minutes out of an hour ten about my kids but i remember being 26 and seeing like comedians talk about their wives or their husbands and kids and i'm like i don't want to hear that i am greg greg fitzsimmons was the first one i saw talk about his having a kid and i didn't have kids and i was like well that's not nerdy that's yeah. okay yeah. like i'd hear guys coming up in in the city and like so my yeah. my wife and my kid and i was just like i'm tapped out yeah don't, i would totally yeah. tap out so that yeah. old to tell don't you have a dick why isn't he talking about it right it tell, i i think of your i think of old jokes of yours once a month and laugh. Oh, Old jokes that you don't tell. Oh, thanks. I'll tell, I'm going to do the setup. Yeah. You do the All right. Line. Let's see. Hey, ladies. You ever see a guy walking through the park with a snake around his neck? And you're like, God, that guy is so sexy. I want to have sex with him. Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't even know. I don't know if I did that in any special or anything. No. That was like at the improv. The I was, No, it was in Boston Comedy Club. It was Club. Boston Comedy Club. Walking Club? through Washington Square Park with a snake around his neck. <laughs> You're like god he's so cool i don't have sex with him no one does anything and you go all right fellas anyone want to buy a snake <laughs> gosh it's so weird how there's jokes that you do that you know disappear i i find that weird when people are like oh my favorite joke of yours and you're like i think i cut that out of you know my third hour i didn't even use it and then you're like should i use that yeah you ever go back home and you can't get rid of the nickname they oh, gave yeah. you growing up? Welcome home, donkey fucker. Right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you were one of those guys that would roll in and it was like 
you were you were constantly working. There was a lot of guys, you know, not to I'm definitely not to name names. A lot of guys who would, could coast by and do new material on personality. Yeah, like just go in and just be a, a show. Yeah, I think I always lean towards those guys creatively. But then there were guys like you and Atel and Geraldo who brought in material where you, yeah. where you where everyone would stop and go. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this. Oh, thanks. No, I. I love it. I mean, as you know, coming up with a, a new joke, it's like people don't understand. Like for a comedian, that's better than any heroin. It's and it comes from, it comes from so so nowhere sometimes. Where you're like, yeah. where you're like almost amazed by yourself. Like, how did that happen? Yes, it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you're too tired, and it comes out because you're too tired. Sometimes you're angry, and you t- you think of a line. And it's, we're always trying to figure out how did I come up with that whole, because sometimes it'll just come out, at least for me, like a whole chunk. And I'm like, Jesus, that's great. I just got three minutes. Oh, no, you're on your, you're doing your seventh hour. Yes. How, what is like, I know my challenge, I'm only doing my, I'm doing my fourth in November. My challenge is like, I go, I, I don't want it to have the same i don't want to just be rewriting the exact same jokes right right but it's seven fucking specials like what the fuck like how it's all it's it's you know touring you know constantly touring and going back to markets you as you know it's like you know the relationship i think you have with an audience is like a friendship where they know your sensibility but you have to show up with new stuff you can do the old stuff yeah they just won't come back again yeah so so but you're in this situation where your old stuff is like like I'm not I'm definitely not comparing myself to you but like I definitely feel like my machine story is something people want to hear. Yeah. I can't imagine there's I can't imagine you've done a show in the past 10 years where someone hasn't yelled hot pockets. Oh yeah, no, it's I mean today I was doing Access Hollywood. It was like 7 in the morning and this guy behind me, hot pockets and it's like <laughs> it's strangely like he thinks he's and then they they look at me and they're like oh i guess that's wrong to say and but the but it's that's good to have you know for an encore and stuff like that but you know like for the the new hours it's all about self-assignment it's like all right i'm gonna tell a story all right what's the most embarrassing thing okay what's the thing that i um feel uncomfortable talking about like i remember one special i think it was cinco i had a bunch of i was like i'm gonna do five minutes on cancer i'm just gonna figure out a way to make cancer funny and you know it's you know hopefully it was funny yeah but it's so it's all it's all stuff like that and i also feel as though doing uh doing podcasts and talking to people you you'll you'll touch on something that you're unconsciously passionate about. Oh, like yeah. I remember doing uh podcasts and talking about when I opened for the Pope. And then that ended up being like a, a chunk on a special. I watched that live. So, Oh, I mean, you did. I, well, you were, you were doing the Pope was coming through somewhere. Yes. And I watched, I think I watched it on maybe, maybe I watched it on Periscope. Is that it might have been on Facebook Live or, or yeah or CNN. CNN. I watched it on CNN. Yeah, I watched that because I'm Catholic, but yeah. like I'm not a good one. But I'm yeah. just like I wear like the jewelry. Yeah, but but I watched that and I was like, how fucking cool! 
Oh, but it was like, you know, it was a bloody death. It was, uh, I don't know how it looked, but it was, I did the classic mistake of criticizing Philadelphia in Philadelphia. And <laughs> two people who are still going to church on Sundays. <laughs> yes. And so like they, not you know, the hip crowd. <laughs> no. And, and by the way, they were also, you know, it's like, I talk about it in, I think it's Noble Ape and it's about like how Philly they were they were there to see a religious leader who was going to talk to them about mercy and they were mad they were like boo <laughs> i'm like dude it's it's sunday <laughs> we're outside it's 11 a.m i did a silly joke about philadelphia and santa and there was 10 percent of the audience was like you know they might as well it might have been evening at the it might as well be evening at the improv where the or even a showtime at the apollo where the sandman comes out yeah like people were mad <laughs> did you meet the pope i did meet the pope what's that like? and i introduced my mother-in-law who is like crazy catholic to the pope and it was just like boom i did it i introduced my mother-in-law to the pope it was weird i mean he does you know he speaks some english but like there's a guy standing behind <laughs> him going a comedica americano you know and you're like nice to meet you so do you think you had any perspective of who you were at all no i don't think he had any idea who i was it's just like uh, i think you know he was like i don't know who this guy is is this was did you meet the pope before or after your wife got uh the before thing? so what was like i think about losing my wife oh yeah like not in a good way but like i think about i think about two things i think number one at the funeral everyone would go it should have been him yeah that's number one they were like it should have been him look at his lifestyle and then number two i think about I just couldn't cope. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be able to manage. You like, wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to do stand up. You'd have to. I mean, that was the big reality. Was not that I would be able to do the uh, be a single parent and do it well. I was like, I, I remember thinking, all right, my career is essentially over because I my children were very young. There's five. Of how them. how long ago was this? This was two years ago. My wife actually wrote a book about it that's coming out in October. For real? Yeah. So I'd love like, to have her on my podcast. Yeah. If she comes out to promote it. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely. love to talk about that because yeah. I am a super big hypochondriac. Yeah. I just I just went to the doctor last week and literally wrote my last will and testament on the drive there. Yeah. I was like, so this is it. This yeah. is where I find out I'm dying. And then I got the call yesterday. He's like, no, nah, your liver's a little fatty because you're overweight, but you got to lose weight. That's it. And By I was the like, way, I think that the, what I learned from that experience is, you know, we all have friends that are hypochondriacs that are mm -hmm. like, you know what? My neck hurts. Maybe there's, it's based on, like, people die. People get sick and die, but we like to live in this ongoing experience of denial because if we lived in the paranoia, you know, we wouldn't get anything done. Oh. But it's better with the denial because, like, even when you see something on social media about like some someone passing away, unconsciously you always think, "Wow, I'm glad that's not going to happen to me." You know what I mean? <laughs> Poor person dying, <laughs> but we're all going to die right now. <laughs> so did did she feel something? She had hearing loss. She was at a pediatrician office. She brought in all five of the kids. And this pediatrician was like, and she was like, oh, I can't hear out of this ear. And the pediatrician was like, how long? And she's like, I don't know. 
And she just assumed that it was like being a, a busy mom. And so then the pediatrician convinced her to go to an ENT. And then she she thought that she was hearing loss. So she was doing these hearing exercises. And then he's like, all right, let's just do an MRI. And so then they did an MRI and they discovered a huge pear-shaped tumor on her brain stem, like with all the cranial nerves going through it, like the nerves that control swallowing and facial uh and uh you know breathing and hearing all those nerves the tumor was in the middle of it and you're just like uh uh what and so and then she went through the surgery i mean there's like so much i'm simplifying it so much but then she she got out of the surgery and then she got pneumonia so it was like pneumonia in the hospital is really bad really bad i've lost a friend of pneumonia in the hospital and ralphie and so yeah Yeah, and and pneumonia and so uh, it was like, okay, okay, there's like, like when the brain surgeon is nervous, then you're really nervous. And so uh, I was like, all right, okay, so this is, I've had a fun time doing stand-up and acting and all this, so it's probably over. So uh, if she survives, she's probably not going to be, uh, you know, in a position to, you know, she's going to need a caretaker. So I was like, all right, it's over. And so then, but she got out of it. You know what I mean? Really? Like she had like a tracheotomy. She she was fed by a tube. She didn't have liquid. She didn't drink water for like two weeks. She didn't have food through her mouth for like a month. <laughs> and a, she's married a, to me. This is a horrible question. How yeah. good did she look? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, she was, she was, she, by the way, she's a genetic anomaly, meaning she she can eat like me and she's still like For so real. tiny yeah i just told a joke on a podcast yeah. about fantasizing about my wife getting hit by a motorcycle and the doctor's going what do we do i go we, 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 we rebuild her like yeah. first start with her tits they need to be huge but um and everyone was like i can't believe you said that and i was like i was just fucking around yeah but, but that that is i mean all of that is just so fucking terrifying there was the the craziest joke i heard and I, I wonder if I had heard it before. This guy, um, this guy's wife goes into surgery, and, uh, and the guy comes out, and the doctor goes, "Well, we, um, we, uh, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. The bad news is uh, the um, we had to remove part of her brain." And she literally, she can't move. She's going to have to wear diapers. She can't talk. She literally can't breathe. You're going to have to massage her every two hours. Um, You're also going to have to spoon feed her. She's going to be irresponsive, uh, unfortunately. And so you're going to have to quit your job. You're going to have to do all these things. And um, and the guy goes, okay. He goes, what's the good news? And he goes, the good news is I'm kidding. She's dead. Don't worry. (laughs) joke ever but (laughs) is that horrible don't worry i just i'm just kidding she's dead Uh, (laughs) that's an awesome (laughs) so bad so but i mean i you know and you you're you're such in touch with gratitude and you know uh so many things that 
you know and it also it inspired me it's like i i feel uh rejuvenated you know to appreciate every time on stage you know what i mean but then again you know there are shows where i'm like i didn't like those people i felt i felt like that a little bit watching i know that you've had i think what two years ago you started uh your tbs show right uh tv land but yeah tv like, land yeah. was it on usa or originally or tv uh, it was it was supposed to be on cbs it's but it's on one of those channels yeah yeah it was on that one of those channels nobody watches i think my buddy might have produced that oh really jacks yeah, yeah 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 my buddy produced it yeah and so uh i grew up with tony hernandez you did yeah we i've known him my whole life tony's from florida oh yeah dude i could tell you stories about tony that you go shut the fuck up tony is the hardest working most earned it motherfucker in the world by the way he built an empire and then he's married to ken burns's daughter yeah lily yeah. we went but lily's fucking hilarious really so you went to there so so was he like a childhood best friend yeah tony tony i'm not certain tony would be comfortable with me sharing this yeah but like tony grew up above a cafeteria his parents ran the hernandez cafeteria yeah and so his parents ran it. it was for basically all the cuban day laborers yeah would come in it was a great breakfast great lunch yeah it was like a cafeteria Sounds like, i want it right now it's cuban so good food. the picadillo was and out where of in world. florida is this this is he grew up in south florida like off howard yeah i think off howard and uh but real south florida like so south florida is very wealthy and then push a little further towards mcbill by the mcdill by the interstate yeah. and that's where you start getting more more cuban families who came this is over. tampa tampa yeah so you're from tampa i grew up in tampa i lived in tampa for a year after college i uh do you remember there was the tex-mex cantina <laughs> it was on the the Dale causeway memory? oh the causeway okay yeah i know there was you're... a mexican place yeah and there was a place called shells <laughs> do i remember shells yeah no that was my first job out of college but you know, because I'm all about sunshine, and uh, that was when I was like, "That's when." Like, did you know you wanted? Well, I know you had a crazy college life, yeah. But you, so you knew you're going entertainment industry from pretty much 18. No, I when it, when I was like 20, when I was 18, I was was the first time people started going, "You're the funniest guy I've ever met," and then, and people started saying, "You should be a comedian." Yeah. And that happened all through college. And then in college, I went and saw a comedy show. Yeah. The guy was on stage and he was bombing. Me and my buddy Eddie were on dates. We were in the front row. Talk about how horrible this is. He's bombing. And his punchline to one joke was, he was talking about floating down the river. The punchline was, it's a styrofoam cooler. And it's flat lines, right? No laughter. The guy's frozen on stage. He's not moving. I look at my buddy Eddie and I just in a loud whisper go, a styrofoam cooler yeah. and the place goes nuts he looks at me and shoots me these eyes like you don't realize what you just fucking did to me yeah. and i'm like oh my god so i go back to him after the show and i was like hey man i was thinking about being a comedy comic and he was like go fuck yourself oh that's so but, funny and then rolling stone discovered me and as soon as that happened i was like what's who discovered you rolling stone magazine oh yeah yeah no yeah yeah was, call, call me the number one party animal in the country and then i yeah tried stand up the first time and it yeah. went well so i moved to new york that's amazing. I was like, I'm in. Did you it's all such a blur. when did you know you wanted to be a comedian? I, you know, in college, I I always like even when I was a kid, I was a class clown. I always wanted to be a comedian, but I didn't know anyone in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And my father was like the first one to go to college. So it was kind of like 
you know, we've been white trash for a couple of generations. Can you stick to the middle class? Yeah. And so uh, it was not encouraged. No one was in the entertainment industry. And so I essentially took an improv class to deal with a fear of public speaking. And then I did stand up as a, a friend dared me and he never showed up and I did it. This is in college? This is it. No, this is in New York City after I moved from Tampa. Okay. So when you moved to New York City, you tried it. I tried it, yeah, and I fell in love immediately, and I was like, "All right, this is it." Who was in your group that was all starting at that time? Geraldo, yeah, was definitely in my group. Um, Judo was Judah Friedlander was this young skateboarder, like he used to skateboard everywhere. He was like an NYU student. Um, and then who else? But like when when I started, there were these powerhouse comedians ahead of us that were relatively new so like say Attell had done it for like four years louis had done it for like five years uh you know uh kevin brennan had done it like four years so like there were all the and jeff ross had done it four years so there was no stage time to be had so geraldo and i used to go out to long island or i used to take a train to connecticut to do shows and then and that kind of like, I think that influenced where I just think it's about stage time. Obviously, you know, I love performing at the comedy store and and in great clubs, but I, I also know that it is about stage time and it's also about different types of stage time. So for me, I love developing material, trying it in Brooklyn in front of a snobby audience, trying it at a comedy club in New York, trying it at the store. You know, it's like, you learn so much from each audience. Oh, yeah, I completely. I mean, when when I worked the door at the Bo Boston, that was the flyer I used to hand out up top. Oh my Do you remember that flyer? Let me see. With Lewis Schaefer on it? Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. You ever buy something online only to find out later you missed a discount? I don't overspend anymore at all. Thanks to Honey. Honey is a free browser add-on that finds me the best deals online. The app magically auto-applies the best deals to my cart at checkout. Honey finds discounts and coupons across 37,000 sites, Amazon, Sephora, Best Buy, Nordstrom's, and so many more. With Honey, I don't worry about missing a deal. I shop like normal, and Honey handles the rest. What I love about Honey is I was looking for drones, and I was having a hard time finding what drone and what was the thing I needed. Honey stopped me down and said, this is the one you need. And I got the Mavic uh, Pro uh, Zoom at a cheaper deal than normal, thanks to Honey. Honey has saved 10 million members on an average $28.61. Honey members have already saved more than $800 million. Not bad for a company that is completely free. It just takes two clicks to install. Honey has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store and Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. Look, there's no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use and easy to install on your computer in, like I said, just two clicks. So shop with confidence. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Burt. That's joinhoney.com slash Burt. Honey, the smart shopping assistant that saves you time and money when you shop online. This podcast is also brought to you by Figs. 
I think there's something we can all agree on. Doctors, nurses, dentists, people who work in the medical fields and healthcare are pretty much awesome. And all of us can think of a time when a medical professional helped us or a family member. They are amazing people. They dedicate their lives for caring for others. And shouldn't they wear amazing scrubs that make them feel good too? I think so. What they do every every day is more than a job. And what they wear is more than a uniform. Shouldn't their scrubs make them feel good and let them perform at their best? I think so. Figs is an amazing company that makes scrubs stylish and functional for the people who deserve it most. Not only are the old scrubs ugly and uncomfortable, but they weren't designed with innovative technical properties to protect and hold life-saving tools. Figs creates the highest quality medical apparel so that medical professionals look at their best, feel at their best, and perform at their best every day. Every set of figs is antimicrobial, protects from germs and bacteria, ridiculously ridiculously soft, moisture wicking, and features four-way stretch. I have a pair of these figs, and they are fucking awesome. I wore them one night and then slept in them. That's how comfortable they are. And figs gives back also, and so can you. Every time you shop at figs, they give scrubs to a healthcare provider in need around the world. Their Threads for Threads initiative to date has donated hundreds of thousands of sets in 35 companies. I'm telling you, you will love, I have a pair, there's two pairs of their sweatpants, or not sweatpants, but they're scrubs. They are so comfortable and they're stylish. They look like high-end apparel that you would wear on a plane and I wear them on planes and I sleep in them. So whether you're one of the most awesome human beings in the world that works in healthcare or someone that wants to say thank you to these deserving folks, Figs is going to make it easy by providing you 15% off your first purchase by using my code BERT. Get ready to love your scrubs. Head to wearfigs.com. That's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com and enter my promo code BERT at checkout. I'm telling you, man. You're going to love these scrubs. I absolutely love them. I can't live without them. Wearfigs.com and enter the promo code BERT at checkout. Have you noticed you're seeing or hearing a bunch of ads for socks? Literally a few years ago, no one talked about socks. So why so much noise right now about something no one ever cared about? Because one brand absolutely changed the game when it comes to socks. The brand's creativity, design, and quality was so incredible that it ignited a movement around a piece of apparel no one ever paid attention to before. And all that attention brought out a bunch of wannabe brands that began to saturate our lives with sock ads. No one pay attention to the pretenders. The only brand you need to know about is the one that started the movement in the first place, Stance. I bought a pair of Stance socks probably four Four years ago, before I jumped out of an airplane, they had the mother uh, Mary on them. And I saw them and I thought, if I wear those socks, I will live through this airplane jump. I wore those socks. I lived. And that it was my introduction to this brand. So if you're one of the millions who fall in love with Stance, like myself, you already know about these socks and your feet do too. And you know why they are rocking the world. The designs are incredible. They're insanely comfortable. And their durability is unmatched. The M Major League Baseball made Stance the official on-field sock of the league in 2016. Seriously, you don't need to be a multi-million dollar athlete to appreciate what Stance has done to socks. Their collabs are next level. I literally spent an hour on their website looking through Pulp Fiction, Kid Cudi, Star Wars, Rihanna, Marvel, Carhartt, Wu-Tang, Rick and Morty, Donovan, Grateful Dead. I bought Grateful Dead. 
and I bought uh, FSU socks, and I got these outdoor uh, walking socks that they they just looked outdoorsy, and I thought those will look cool if I'm on a hike, and they're like sticking out of my boot, and I'm in shorts. I look badass. The brand not only feels good on your feet, but it makes your heart feel good too. From their annual support of the Socks for Heroes, which sends a fresh pair of socks to deployed military that badly need them, to collabs that have raised money for clean water initiatives in Africa, to California wildfire victims, breast cancer awareness, their annual sponsorship of the World Adaptive Surf Championship. It's awesome to see how much Stance gives back. And you can buy them a pair or sign up for a subscription that's based on your preferences, customized timeline. Imagine a few pairs of fresh, comfortable socks magically show up to your doorstep whenever you need them. That sounds like heaven to me. I, I'm telling you, I'm not putting anything on my feet other than my Grateful Dead socks. I love rocking my Grateful Dead socks. And come this fall, I will be wearing my FSU socks every Saturday. There's a reason Stance changed a sock game forever, and I want you to try them for yourself. That's why my listeners get a free pair of socks with purchase at stance.com slash Burt. That's stance.com slash Burt. Stance, S-T-A-N-C-E dot com slash Burt. Because if they're not stance, they're just socks. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I used to- I, so that was, by the way, Lewis Schaefer is in London. I know, yeah. Um so interesting so like i mean there's blurs of where there's people that you meet and and you go oh wait a minute that was you like (laughs) i remember um i was at so when i met geraldo it was there was gladys's did you ever do gladys no i only when i lived in new york i did the boston comedy club and that's t- and then I I auditioned everywhere. Yeah, but I only could get work, so I worked the door. I you know so I there was Gladys's, which was like there's different I don't know tiers, but like there's like real shows, then there's like yeah. bringer shows, and then there's clubs that are, and then there's non clubs, and this is before alternative comedy, like kind of like yeah. it's a cool bar. It was just kind of like they let us use this room, and so that <laughs> was. And Gladys is still around. And it was filled with just like people that couldn't get stage time anywhere in the city. And I would meet, like, I met, uh, God, you know, just different people. But at uh, that's where I met Geraldo. And Geraldo and I were both wearing suits. Really? Because we came from, he, Geraldo was a lawyer. And at that time, I was an account guy in advertising. And we would you know go to gladys's on wednesday at 6 30 you'd sign up i think you had to pay to do a set <laughs> on yeah. an open mic oh i did those shows surf reality yeah and so you would by the way so surf reality i just did access hollywood and there's a guy the the talent guy who was like yeah we found this footage of you at surf reality because at surf reality i would do like characters yeah i see like there's surf reality over a bunch of years i don't yeah. know what year it was i was i was there in like 99 98 yeah i think it was more like 94 95 that's wow so surf reality uh robert pritchard and his wife and that so how old was the daughter because what people don't know is that we're describing this performance space 
on the Lower East Side of Manhattan when it was really sketchy. And they had this performance space where the kid, they had a child, yeah. and the you could smoke pot, but you couldn't smoke cigarettes <laughs> in the in the stairwell. And uh, but it was just crazy people. So I did characters, but there were people that would like do performance art stuff. Oh like, yeah, and just really eccentric. I saw a guy go up in a clan outfit. Yeah, he went up in a clan outfit. And just did observational material in a full clan outfit. I saw a woman perform at, uh, and she did a performance art piece with her menstrual blood. Oh. I'm not kidding. And I think I think I had to go on after it. Dude. And I was like, well, how do you address that? <laughs> this guy did his set in a clan outfit, right? Yeah. And in, and it was it got laughs up front because it was so outrageous. Yeah. And then it started, the the material started bombing. Yeah. And then he did the rest of it talking about how hard it was to get a clan outfit dry cleaned in New York City. <laughs> and I, I was in the back going like, from Florida, just being like, this is so globally different yeah. than anything I experienced in life. You grew up in, mid, in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Was New York like a culture shock to you? New York was definitely a culture shock. It was, well, I was also, you know, you get out of college and you're, you know, like college is not real. Where did you go to college? I went to Purdue for a year and then Georgetown University. I knew you went to Georgetown. And um, you can tell the guys went to Georgetown because their acts were always smarter. Oh, that's well. What, I you, Mulaney, did Mulaney go to Georgetown? Yeah. Uh, uh, Berbiglia? Yes. There's, I think, Dimitri, Dimitri, Nick Kroll. Dimitri went to Yale, I oh, think, yeah. but he had a really smart act too. Yeah. I mean, I think Dimitri went to Yale Law School. No, or maybe he was going to. No, he went to NYU Law School okay, and then dropped that's out. That's when I, I met. I did open mic the first night Dimitri did open mic. Wow. So we were in the same show. And then I said to him, we should hang out and hit clubs. And he was like, okay. So like for your Geraldo was my yeah. Dimitri. Oh, and that's crazy. My first joke that worked was about Dimitri. We were on a, I mean, this is going to sound, this is problematic in this day and age. Yeah. But, you know, growing up in the South, there wasn't a lot of integration. Yeah. So I got on a train with Dimitri to go to a club. And yeah. it was all black guys. Yeah, and I said to him, "I think I think we're on the wrong train," and he was like, "What?" I go, "I, I think this train's probably going to Harlem. I think we should probably get off and then get on a new one." He's like, "I'm not getting off a train just because there's black guys on it." And I was like, "Okay, well I am," and he was like, "Are you being serious right now?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I think we're on the low. I'm being serious. I think we're on the express, not the local. I think we're gonna miss yeah. our stop and end up in on 135th Street." And he's like, "No, I'm not getting off the train." So the train stopped. I go to get off. I mean, comic brain, right? Like yeah. When you're everything's yeah, a joke. Yeah. Turn around, look at Dimitri. I go, Dimitri, I'll see you at the rally on Thursday. White power, my brother. And I got off, and and it that was like my first joke I wrote. Oh, that's so. But funny. yeah, but uh, but yeah, George. But Georgetown's kind of like ur, urban, kind of an I urban mean, it's, setting. It's, it's DC it's private. It's a DC private school. But like, I would say, I the biggest shock what i remember of moving to new york was the amount of cursing like it was just and i worked in advertising and people would be like it's fucking unbelievable we got to fucking really uh come up with some great fucking words and i'm like you, you can't think of another adjective besides fucking you know what i mean and so that's what kind of surprised me just because you know i curse in everyday life but even growing up if if you cursed 
there were there would be some people that are like, I find that offensive that you're cursing. And they were horrible people. But how were your parents with cursing with parenting? They would curse. You know, my dad yeah. would say, Jesus Christ. You know, he would be like, son of a bitch. God damn it. Bart, what's your name? Bert? <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a uh, what is it? Crasher? Crasher? <laughs> what did your dad do for a living? He was a banker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that what he sounded like? He did. Bert, uh, the machine. I understand you're the machine. No, but what was what's your dad like? I've seen on social media your dad's come to shows, right? My dad is uh my dad's always perplexed at me. Yeah. Like anything I do, huh? What the fuck? <laughs> and what so like and you're a success, so he's kind of like, All right, it worked out. I was wrong. Uh I, I don't know if that's it. He, we played golf at Torrey Pines, and yeah. uh, I got recognized a lot. And my dad's just—he really bothered. It doesn't bother him, but he's just like, like, huh? And then we pulled it. We get done the course, and then the the club pro comes up with our placard of our of our tea time and yeah. the name. He says, "I'd love you to sign this, and then I'm going to put it up on our wall." That's and so my funny. dad, my dad's like really like just really kind of going like is this really is, is this a joke yeah. and i go no dad i, I, I mean, i'm gonna sign it and he put it next to barack obama no way I swear to god and my dad's like hey, okay that doesn't make sense that barack yeah. obama's accomplished so much in this life and all you do is take your shirt off and tell your story my dad anytime i tell anything my dad just goes that never happened that i never hit him i never spanked him i don't know what he's talking about He'll, he, my sisters and I are fighting with my dad. So I was telling a story. How many sisters do you have? Two. Two. Hardcore okay. ball busters. Okay. Like and emotional so this is So you grew up in Tampa. Mm -hmm. In like, like, did your family go to Gasparilla? Was your sisters competing for the queen of Gasparilla? No. So my dad is not. He didn't. He doesn't like lines. He doesn't like cameras. He doesn't like. Like, I don't have a picture of my childhood. Okay. My dad's not the yeah. kind of guy like, hey. Will you take a picture of us? That's not my dad. Right, get, right. Let's get the fuck out of so here. So in other words, your dad is a man. He's a man. <laughs> very, very, very liberal. Like, very, very liberal. Oh, very liberal, which is odd for, like, Western Florida, grew right? Up in, grew up in New York. Okay. And uh, went to school in, the in like, the, the 60s, 70, 60s. So yeah. very, very liberal. Um, but not, he, he like, he ran marathons. He likes to be alone. He doesn't. My dad went to bed every night at like seven o'clock. Wow. So people would come to and our what house. What did he do for a living? Lawyer. So successful. Uh no, not in, he represented the Church of Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard was his client. Oh wow, because they were in St. Petersburg, yeah, right? Until I was until I was 10. Was he a Scientologist? No. But was like he represented a scient someone tried to escape from Scientology and he represented that guy. That had a hard time escaping from Scientology against the church and won. And then the church hired my dad and said, anyone who can beat us, we want working for us. Oh, wow. We'll put you under retainer, a lot of money, you're good. And so my dad all of a sudden is like, great, builds a big house, $130,000, build yeah. a house in a, in a new neighborhood. And the church goes, yeah, we're not paying you. We're gone. We're done. And so I think he was working on his way out of that my whole growing up. So I never knew my dad is wealthy. But I knew him to right. be like middle class. Right, 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 right. But um, so fascinating. Yeah, but you had like, what did you have? Five brothers? I had three brothers and two sisters. I just so. saw a picture of you guys in Europe. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
From that was a big family trip. That yeah. was, you know, I travel so much with my kids, but like that was the one time we went. I mean, we went on family vacations. I don't want to mischaracterize it, but like we never went to Europe again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How old were you? I think I was eight, but it, I think it changed my life. What What do you remember from that trip? Well, I remember the hot chocolate in Ireland. I remember uh, we were on a really crappy cruise ship in Greece, like not a fancy one, because you know, like there was no internet, so like yeah, they booked this cruise and they had six kids with them, so they got a cheap one, and it was not a nice boat. <laughs> And like staying in a bed, like where like the bed, the wall curved because you were down below the deck. Yeah. And I remember uh, way before thongs, uh, people wearing thongs, <laughs> like like men, men wearing thongs. Really? Yes. And and these were like, I think it might have been like there might have been like uh, you know, a segment of the cruise that was gay men. And walking around in thongs. And when your dad, what was your dad like? Was my like, dad was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. He was, you know, he was just like weirdos. But it was, it's weird because you do things as a parent. You go, I wonder if they're gonna remember this. Yeah. And then, uh, so like that was that was a pretty pivotal thing. I look at those photos and I remember, you know, going and and it sparked this interest in different cultures. I love different cultures and and uh different countries and and so that's why i do the international shows tell me about what your favorite foreign country that you performed in oh oh performed um or city i should say i i gotta be honest with you i'm really obsessed with the uk really yeah i love i love it there i love it there because it feels like it it looks like places that i thought life would be like i thought life would always have rolling hills I thought life would always have lots of grass. Right. I thought I'd have a pub down my street. Like right. I always wanted to have a, a live in a small town where everything was right. built out of stone and I could walk down to the corner and I knew the people in the pub. I never thought I'd live in a big city like this. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's funny you talk about memories. We just took my daughters to Bali and to Australia. Right. And, I, and we, last night I said, so let's talk about our summer. What's your favorite memory from this summer i know where this is going my daughter isla goes the pizza in bali yeah i go what because remember that one night we had pizza i went yeah. i don't know the fuck are you talking about? we had like whole fit like fish like yeah. you remember the pizza she goes great pizza yeah i was like Ugh. I but i want i you know like when i do the international shows i you know i do it because i love it and and how international do you go because you can go anywhere in the world i don't really i i haven't done that many shows in the uk i've done london a couple times but i like and i don't have anything against the uk it's just uh you know i'd rather do a show in paris i'm not making that much money anyway yeah it's it's like and if i'm bringing my family i'm losing money but that's why uh, some of it is like I hope that I can eventually at least break even when I do these international shows, and that's where I'm hoping am this Amazon special because Amazon is huge in the UK, huge in Germany, huge in um, India. So it's like I want to go there. You're the first one. You know what I mean? You're the, you're the groundbreaker for this well, Amazon thing. You know, it's you know, so it's their first original, but. 
you don't know you know it's like amazon's so easy to use for me everything is yeah. everything it's about can i get it on my thumb yeah I, 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 amazon is such a when my wife told i wanted to buy a camera one time and my wife told me about amazon she goes you know they'll deliver it to your house same day i went shut up she was like wait you don't you're not using amazon and i was like no yeah she was like oh my god this is going to change your life and then all of a sudden we're like i got amazon on tv oh, i was yeah. like oh my god i can just it's it's a game changer i you know it'll be interesting because as you know i think com people don't realize comedians like putting themselves in unpredictable situations and they also so in other words you go on stage and you'd think all right they got a microphone but you don't know yeah you don't know if these jokes that you've been doing for the past eight months suddenly aren't going to work but like the thing having the special on amazon there's a lot of i don't knows like there's at least you know when i've done specials on comedy central i knew what was going to happen and i knew what kind of feedback or or even netflix it's like but you know it's you know, you have to kind of go for the new material. You have to go for the new place. So that's yeah. some of my approach is like, I hope people watch it on Netflix, but I don't know. I mean, Sugar I'm still me. buying things on iTunes. Sugar uh, which called is, me when you, yeah. so right right when you sign your deal. Yeah. He's like, Gaffigan's going to Amazon. And I went, what? He's like, Gaffigan's going to Amazon. I was like, really? He goes, we got to go to Amazon. And I was like, really? He goes, oh, dude. I mean, he's going to fucking Amazon. I mean, that's like. Dude, I mean, and we we had a full conversation about you going to Amazon. It is. It's so interesting how having, because there, there's a friend of ours. I don't want to identify them, but like they're being forced to choose between two scenarios uh, where to put the special, their, their next special. And I'm kind of like, you go somewhere new. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, you know, to someone who, you know, like, I'm sure if someone has Netflix, they're like, just put them all on Netflix so I can just have Netflix. But I also think that I describe, I think Netflix is like, it's great. It's amazing. It's been very good to me, but it's kind of like How a swimming pool. How many did you do pool. at Netflix? I have five on Netflix. <laughs> but like, Netflix is like, I describe Netflix as a swimming pool that is like, instead of one or two floaties, there's like 300 floaties. Yeah. So you're like, I, you know, I could have fun in here, but I don't know where I don't want to like, uh, I'm not going to be able to see that. So at least by going to Amazon, I think when people go to the, the, the Amazon prime page, they'll see it there and they'll see it even after a week. Whereas like, you know, Netflix, I feel like you got a week and then it's over. Well, for you, the, the thing we assessed, I'll tell you why we yeah. thought it was a good move. Yeah. You are arguably, I'll say, I'll say 10 to be fair, but I think it's smaller than that. Top 10 comics in the world, right? Oh, you thanks. are one of the top 10 when it comes to the tickets you can sell, the audiences you can draw, the, the, and, and, and your material is not, you're not isolating. So you are like a right. bring in, you're the kind of person that anyone can show to anyone yeah. and go, you're going to like this. And it's not by design. It's just how it, it's just, done. Just, it's just who you are. It's like people think comedians have some grand plan. It's like we just do how we're – we just try and be funny, and that's how it comes out. And I think we, we were talking about it, and we're like, on Netflix, for your business move to move to Amazon, on Netflix, you are still in that top group of comedians. But when you go to Amazon – 
it really turns ahead where where everyone goes like, oh Jim, oh I want to watch the new Jim Gaffigan special. I'm going right. to Amazon. For them, it was right. a really brilliant business move to bring you there. Yeah. But for you, it's great because you are on top of the mountain there, going like, here's what I, here's my special. It really it singles your special out yeah. from the group of ten that you're in yeah. to go. Here's where I am. Come over here. It is. It's fascinating because there is. There's something about specials that comedy specials that changes constantly. Like five years ago, people would be like, you know, there you can go to Amazon. I mean, you can go to Netflix. And then five years, like I was so lucky when Beyond the Pale aired on Comedy Central in 2006. At that time, every dorm room in America was had cable and was playing comedy center like when i went to college you, you didn't even you'd have a tv in your dorm room area but yeah. not like they didn't pay for cable no and so and then so like and then five years later it's like there was this independent kind of like put it on your website thing and then then five years later it was netflix and it's like i think it's always shifting yeah so i don't know i mean look disney's coming that's what i heard uh you know HBO Max is going to be like Time Warner and then Apple. I mean, I don't know if like I like for Obsessed, I think it was Obsessed. I went to Amazon. This was probably like nine years ago. And I said, you've got a streaming service. Everyone, um, I don't think their streaming service was that big. I was like, I'll give you my special for X amount. And you uh, air it, and then we'll drive traffic to Amazon, which is what you want. And they're like, mm, we'll give you two cents in a view. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. This is like an opportunity yeah. for you to get people to go to Amazon. And so I was waiting for Amazon to get in the game. And, I, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what Disney does. It'll be really interesting to see what Apple does, because I don't know if I don't know if Apple is, it's like these companies like Amazon and Apple, it's like they don't need to get into like the fickle, weird business of entertainment. They're making physical, they're making and selling physical things. So, you know, it's, I'm thrilled that Amazon, but Amazon could crush the world at anything if they wanted. They really could. Right? Actually, you know, I sold my special to Zappos. Zappos, <laughs> the shoe people. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's. I mean, it. it yeah. It, no, it, it will be that. It it's, it could. It it easily could. I, I read an article about you today in the New York Times. Yeah. About about your move to Amazon, and and then you look at a guy like Andrew Schultz, who's yeah. doing huge. He's he just kind of, and and I got to be honest with you, I was when I didn't know what I was going to do with my last special, I did, and I know that there was going to be a buyer. I was like. The the model is just fuck it, chop it up, put it online, turn it into a vlog. Yeah, yeah. and that and he's selling huge tickets. Really? By just yeah, by all he does is he every week, every other day, he releases a new bit, little crowd work in a bit. Wow. And his YouTube's gone huge. He's got a huge podcast with Charlemagne the God. Wow. Yeah, and it's it, but it's like part of it is if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the game, you're missing it. Well, it, there is something, uh, particularly in this day and age, where I think 
there was this Hollywood Reporter thing, and uh, and look, lists are stupid. We know that, but they had this list of not the most successful people, but the power, most powerful people in comedy. And on this list, they did not have uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who has comedians and cars, yeah. which he sold for a hundred million dollars to Netflix. <laughs> it did not have Chris Rock who literally is remaking all the Saw movies and is the lead in the next season of Fargo and is an iconic, iconic. comedian. Iconic. It didn't have Dave Chappelle, who, <laughs> by the way, could could announce, you know, I'm going to do a show on the moon, and people would go to the moon. Yeah. And it didn't have Joe Rogan. It didn't have Joe <laughs> Rogan, who... You know, what, last weekend sold 20,000 tickets? Yeah. It's like the the disconnect from the reality is is really, like, I mean, I you know, as a comedian, you never expect when you read an article on stand-up, you never expect it to be right. But you don't expect them to miss these five legends. Oh, yeah. You don't expect them to miss all of them. Like there is something about Rogan's success where I'm like, why are they ignoring it? Why are they ignoring this guy who has such monolithic power that is, you know, like Howard Stern level success? Oh yeah. Why would they? You know, it's is it resentment? Is it is it the you know they're turned off by UFC? Do they? I mean, I don't understand it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. In my opinion, yeah. I, someone said to me one time in this business, they said, "Yeah, if you can't make me any money, I don't really care about you." And I went, "Oh!" And in my head, I thought, "Oh, our jobs as talent is to make sure everyone's getting paid. As long as people can make money off of us." They care about us and they put us up on a pedestal. Rogan is so independent that oh. no one is making money off him except for like if someone comes in and does his podcast. Does he have a manager or an agent? He's got the same manager for like 30 fucking years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got Sussman, the same. Yeah, yeah Jeff Sussman. Uh, he's got this. It's a very small, tight-knit team where it's yeah, his own yeah. little pirate ship of him. And yeah. like he's got one ad sales team for his podcast. There's... It's like two people, a wife and husband who are out of, out of Wisconsin and they like deal his ad sales. And it's just, everything is, everything's self-made. He doesn't go and do press. He was not going on the tonight show. He's not going on Kimmel. He's not going to do press. He does his own thing. And I think Hollywood is amazed by it, but they go, how do I get a piece of it? And once when they realize there's no piece for them to get, they start to resent it. I think, I think that's the thing with podcasts. Do I have to talk to managers? Where they're like, yeah, yeah this, this podcasting thing, and they kind of flip it off, and you're like, did I make more money on my podcast than I made on Travel Channel? Yeah, I yeah. make more money on my podcast than I ever made in stand up. Yeah, like, and then, yeah. and then you're like, oh, and you. Well, I, that's the thing. Uh, there is like this belief that the entertainment industry, uh, they just care about money, but I don't think they do care about money. Here's what I think. Also, I think. The entertainment industry is about perception. It's about people wanting to be, it's about cool kids, right? Yeah. It's about the clicks. 
And the thing is, is that in this era of politically correct and Me Too and all this stuff, that you can't champion uh, a white guy who's oh, yeah. aggressive, right? It's yeah. just, it's it's bad timing. So, but I think it really comes down to, I, I, well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I don't even think Hollywood cares as much about money as they care about perception. It, there's so much pretend in the entertainment industry. I'm always baffled by it. It's like, I love acting and I love doing movies, but it's like, even when you go to a premiere, you're like, you know, this is just where we saw Avengers a week ago. <laughs> I know that we're art house people now, but like, yeah. I just sat here with my <laughs> six-year-old and now we're pretending that we're at the Kodak theater. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. or the Dolby theater. It's, it's just a, a strange kind of, um, delusion yeah it it I, hollywood i get less and less enchanted by hollywood the older yeah. i get where i just go like like someone asked me if i want i'm this is gonna really fuck my chances someone just asked me if i wanted to be in a like a big budget movie as like the funny guy that yeah comes in for a scene and i was like nah he was really like, he was like why not and i was like i feel like it'd be a waste of time like you can find a guy that that's his goal in life yeah like, i'm not good at that i'm i mean like and and I and I really when I act I I feel personally if I'm not making if it's not my project yeah. when I act I feel like I'm monumentally wasting my time. Well, by the way, it's I mean I look at like the empires of you and Segura and his wife and I'm just like, it's like yeah why why do it this I mean, this for me is so dude, I love acting so I, it's dude, like I don't but I don't, you're a great fucking actor you you I remember your part in the fucking Three Kings. Oh wow, that's so funny. I there's move you. You've been in movies where I just pop up and go, "Shut the fuck up." Has your kids ever done that? Been watching a movie and go, "Dad, is that you?" Yeah, no, they do that. They're like, "Are you in thirteen going on 30 I'm like, "Yeah, I am." And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I am. I'm in that." And they're like, "Oh, I didn't know that." You've so, been in more movies this past year than yeah, like it's, what f five, a seven, but it's just. It's just strange timing. Some of it's an animated. Some of it is like these indie art house Seven movies that take fucking movies. Yeah, it, can I tell you the, that's the, over two years, and they all just came out the same year. The trailer that blew me away. My movie that I'm like, I'm gonna love this. Yeah, is uh, where you're you play two two dads. You have oh two really? Families. Oh yeah. I love that trailer. Oh really? Oh, I love that trailer. Thanks. Yeah, that was that's fun. I mean, that's just like it's 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 just so fun like the weird thing is is like i don't think and let me just make sure that i just think that comedians we are such independent and we're spoiled by our independence you know going on stage we're going to talk about something you know we're going to change our minds or we're going to alleviate this tension we're going to just talk off the top of our heads and try and make it funny that that same kind of joy we feel in that i find that in acting but you're and, so and good at being it. like you know like sitting in that tension so like even when you do a joke that you know the audience is gonna like be like shocked or uh kind of taken back the same glee in that or enjoyment we feel in that is i feel that in a moment where there's 
like the character you're playing is doing the wrong thing like the because you know the audience is like oh dude don't do that so it's just as gratifying as uh as as you know relieving tension i think the in tell me if i'm correct in this in 2000 you were the most marketable man in america oh yeah no i was (laughs) no that's my bro so my brother uh my brothers went into finance two of them did and uh and so business week i was sales they called me salesman of the year because i was in so many commercials sierra mist right there was just so many of what was the one that you were the face of like sierra mist uh um god i can't remember one of the names of the car companies uh and this was when rolling rock i did rolling rock campaign this is when Um, those campaigns were like hundred and twenty five thousand dollars yeah if you got the right ones i did a my first big campaign i got was for blockbuster when they were introducing blockbuster to the uk and they would fly me over to the uk first class and i would shoot for like two days and fly back and the commercials would only run in the uk and it was just and i was like the first time i was ever like really famous was in the uk where people were like you're in that commercial (laughs) and and so it was weird oh you did chrysler is that what the one? Oh, the minivan, right? Yeah. It's my brain doesn't work, but I did those with my kids. Like they were like, um, what was it called? The minivan? Pacifica. And they were like, we want you to do these campaign. I go, I'll do them if, and they had me with this fictitious family. I'm like, I want my real family. Yeah. And uh, they're like, all right. <laughs> and so I did them with uh, my kids. Cause also we were doing the show at that point, And I knew that, it was going to be like two or three days and i didn't want to you know it's like you you get these opportunities yeah. and you're like i don't want to like subtract myself from my children's lives yeah do you know what i mean i know but so so the movies you did this year i gotta talk about a little bit about the one that i saw sure. last night american dreamer yeah heavy right heavy stuff but it's so fun i saw i decide i'm not taking a xanax last night yeah right my, I was like, I'll take a quarter of a milligram of Xanax and sleep through the night, go to spin class. And yeah. I go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be I'm fine. I'm going to go to sleep. I don't, I don't think I have any panic going on tonight. Yeah. I start the movie and I'm like, I'm like, wait, what is this about? 29 minutes in, I, I turned it off and I go, fuck this movie. I can't watch this movie. <laughs> I can't watch this. It's so. And as a dad, it must have been really hard for you. Yeah. There's a scene in there that as a dad, you're like. Dude, I didn't think that was going to happen. No. I, in, in that movie, I go, no, 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 right. no, no, right. no. And even until the end of the movie, I was like, something's going to happen where that didn't happen. Right, right. Yeah. Dude, no. that, the black dude you, that played with you is so fucking oh, yeah. good. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and that was like bare bones. That was, we're in Norfolk, Virginia for 17 days, like all, pretty much all night shoots. Yeah. So it was like every day you'd wake up at like 5 p.m. and you'd or you'd get a report to work at like six. You'd wait for it to get dark and you'd start shooting because it's one night essentially. Yeah. And it was just like you're just delirious, you know, and it's like I'm not partying or anything, but you're just like that night's shift is you just makes people crazy. Did, did that movie fuck with your head? 
at all? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird because as when you play these characters, you need to have a justification for all the behavior, and you can't have any doubt. You can't be like, I'm pretending to do this horrible thing. You have to be like, this is the only thing I could do. So it was, you know, I love acting, and I love kind of like, I, I kind of rationalize and justify all the characters' behaviors so that, like, it is strange on, like, a break. You'll be talking to somebody at craft service, and they'll be like, God, can you believe your character is such a jerk? And you're like, I'm like, he's not a jerk. He's doing, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's it's doing like he just had get... to be wrestled to the ground by a cop. You know what yeah. I mean? That could happen to anyone. Dude, the, the, I, like, there's so much to that where I go, and this is why I think when I think about acting, I don't think I'd ever, I don't think I have that depth to ever do that. But when that one scene where you come to see your wife, well, I'm not giving oh, anything yeah. away, but you come to see your wife and it starts crazy. It starts crazy. It starts subtle crazy. When you put that yeah. toy car in your pocket, I go fucking toy car. Yeah. Kids fucking. Oh God, <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> yes. And, and then, and then you go from that. Everything escalated so quickly yeah and you you did it no one there's no like you did it in your face and i'm sitting there going oh yeah i don't got that but but we but we know so many people we have so many friends that are perfectly normal we look at them on their appearance we know people that look like them and we go oh this is what this person's like and then you know, particularly with comedians, you know they're crazy. But like you get to know them and you're like, oh, I was I had a bias in my mind that yeah. they were going to be like this. But there's I also think there's there's a darkness in all of us. In that scene I thought that could definitely be me. Oh yeah. I was like, that is definitely me where it just nothing's happening right for me. Yeah. And I can't get my words out. And I have so many thoughts that are attached to emotions that they're I was like, I'm telling you, man, I, there's, I can't watch every movie in yeah. life. I can't watch horror mil- films. Oh, wow. I can't watch. I have a hard time with thrillers, like hardcore thrillers. Wow. I have a hard time with, I mean, <laughs> fucking, I, I, I'm not to give anything away, but I mean, I, I don't, I can't even talk about it, but like when you, <laughs> when you, after you've done the thing and you pick them up yeah. and, oh, yeah. and your trunk's not working, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, um, I'm hitting 15 seconds forward, 15 seconds back, 15 seconds forward. Cause I'm jumping. I don't want to jump. Cause I want to get the yeah, fuck yeah. out of the situation, but I want to know what's going on. So I jump back. Yeah, it's a yeah. fucking intense movie. Oh yeah. No, it, it was. And it's, it, there's like three or four people in the whole movie and it's amazing like, actors. Amazing. Right. And it's, there was, I, I don't want to give anything away, but like, you can't stuff, because, because that there's movie, stuff that, that happens where, um, this guy does stuff and and you know it's like these act by the way the actor who plays um now i can't his name's robbie jones but i can't remember his character's name he was in that character the entire time and he so then we rapped and afterwards it was like seven in the morning and he's like he's like uh he's like i'm a big fan of your stand-up and he was like a different person but he was like in that that drug dealer mode, like you know, just like what's up, buddy? You know, like like he was always that character the entire shoot. And so then I finally met him at the end. Like I didn't know he wasn't 
And now I know him as this bright, smiling guy, but he never smiled. Wow. So what's, so what's, I want to get you out of here because I know you have yeah. a huge day, but what's your year look like now? Like what, like I'm, I'm curious because yeah. like I know I'm busy, yeah. but you're busy as like, I remember the guys from Broken Lizard saying they got you in their movie. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you have no idea how busy he was. He literally flew in, drove right to set, shot a scene, drove right to this plane and left. No, that was, that was the, but that's also what I love. When I did uh, Super Troopers 2, I worked on a movie in the morning, uh, Chuck, with Liev Schreiber, not a big part or a big scene, flew to Western Mass where they were shooting. And then uh, a f uh, shot for a couple hours. It was just a small scene. Flew to Boston and did two shows at the Wilbur. And I was like, I mean, I'm so tired right now, but like, that's what it's all about. Like, I love acting and stand up. Like, when you have those two show nights, it's like you're exhausted, but there's kernels that you discover in those two shows that make it all worth it. What's your treat at the end of the night when, oh, at the Wilbur? God. Mine's my Tito's and soda. Oh, I'm like, after a long day like that, yeah. you get you're done your second show and you're like, now a little me time. What's your like treat? Well, my treat is food. Because I very much am kind of uh, a guy who, after a show, when I'm on the road, I want to eat dinner. Like, I want to eat dinner, like, in a restaurant. I, I don't like room service. Yeah. I don't like eating uh, in a room. I like the whole kind of uh, experience of being in a restaurant. Like, after the Wilbur, you go, hey, let's yeah. see if there's a restaurant that'll stay yeah. open. And, and and cities like Boston, there will be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like, but I have to do something because the mind is racing, right? Yeah. And so, like, some of the booze thing, it's like, I when I first started doing theaters, I would do these two shows, and then I would do, I would meet everyone in the audience. Okay, that, that's where I I'm would, at. I would shake hands with everyone. And then I kept getting the flu. Have you gotten the flu? No, but I'm afraid I'm going to get spinal meningitis. No, but like you, <laughs> you'll get the flu. And then I would go home and my wife would be pregnant at the time. And she's like, you can't keep coming back here sick. Yeah. So um, I tell everyone where I'm going to go yeah. drink. And then I go, if you want to meet me there, <laughs> go there. And then I end up doing 500 pictures yeah. with everyone. And I, I don't, I won't get sick on the road. But the second I get a break, my body shuts down. And I get sick. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have that energy anymore. So, like, I, I, you know, my big thing is, like, I'll have a nice steak after a show. And I love it. That's that's all I need. I'll, like, have a steak. And then I'll just, you know, then I'll go back to my room and watch cable news. Who, who opens for you? Ted Alexandra. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had him on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. I, yeah. I had him on the podcast. Everyone's like, no, you didn't. No, I did yeah we just couldn't release it <laughs> oh really why it's a long story really yeah it was a long story it was, oh, wow. it was i'll tell you off there oh yeah that's so interesting yeah. he's like the sweetest guy he's in the, the greatest world. guy we had a great conversation yeah. we just talked about one subject too much and oh and so and so okay. and he was you know he just felt uncomfortable about it and so i was like oh, oh no. yeah. i go dude next time you're out we'll do a podcast we'll do right, it again right. yeah okay. ted's hilarious okay cool he's yeah really funny. no he's great yeah and he's like such a great writer so it's awesome being you know and like he's so good so it's like he goes up and does 20 and i'm like shit you know it's like you gotta and it really kind of pushes you to like 
to, you know, you got to meet some of the challenges. So what does your year look like? Oh, so my year, like I, I wonder am, about touring and movies and TV and books. And it's, like, you know, my wife has a book coming out in October. So I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be doing some press for that. I have the American Dreamer coming out September 20th. Um, I am doing some uh, Eastern European shows in November. Really? And then meeting my family in Casablanca. And uh, then- How fucking cool is that? And then like around Christmas break, school Christmas break, I'm doing a bunch of shows in Florida. So really? it's like, it's so we'll be based out of there and I'll dart and do the shows. So it'll be great. And I did that two years ago in Florida, and it's amazing. Because obviously it's, I mean, it's paradise here. We're in L.A. right now, but, like, on the East Coast, like, that's when people are like, we love you, Florida. We, we're we sorry all the bad things we said. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Segura and I both grew up in Florida. Yeah. We're definitely. Segura's going to be in Eastern European Europe right before you are. Oh, really? Yeah. Good deal. You and Tom Segura could be best friends. We could. He you, was a football player, too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Were you a football player? I was a football player. Really? But I'm younger than you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you you and Tom are the same person. Really? He, he's like, gets done a show. He's like, let's go to a restaurant, have a nice dinner. Yeah. Let's go to bed. I'll watch TV. Yeah. It's just, I also get in trouble. And I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> like some of it is like, you are the machine. You're supposed to get in trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was flying uh, across country with marijuana. And I was nervous about it. Yeah. And my wife's like, why? I go, well, what if I get caught? She goes, oh, it's just a great story for your special. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to lose. Your wife's I lose, amazing. I lose my pre-check, honey. Like, if I lose oh. my pre-check, I am fucked. And she was like, I can't believe you're worried about losing pre-check. What about when you go to the airport and the pre-check thing doesn't show up on your ticket? Uh, Jim, I'm so neurotic that I look at it. And if it's not, I have my known traveler number in my phone. Okay. I go, you need to put that back on my i'm i'm hardcore obsessive about flying. oh yeah yeah um favorite country you've done stand-up in i don't think you answered it paris um, no i i don't know i love all of them for different reasons is this your first time to eastern europe this will be the first time to like the baltics and poland and uh jesus and like I'm doing Vienna and then I'm doing uh Lisbon, which will be but I'm I I am such a nerd for like and I spend like a day and a half in these cities, but it is it's so fun. It's so fun and it's just great for like, you know, a glimpse of a culture. Do oh, you know what I, I mean? I said to my daughters, they said, What was your favorite part of of Bali? I said, Why well, I took this like spiritual bath. Yeah. They said, What's your favorite part of Australia? I said, Look the look on George's face, my oldest yeah we're walking around australia and she was smiling and i said what are you smiling about she goes i could live here and oh, i went wow. oh wow i think i just i think i did a good thing as a parent yeah i think i changed you in a good way that you were like i could try this place out and so the uh, did you know your kids did they hold a koala bear and a, see a kangaroo and all that jim we go to put a, we go to <laughs> visit the koalas and yeah i heard the guy say uh you could pet them yeah and so i'm videotaping so I yeah. go to pet it, and immediately yeah. my wife, fucking rule followers, like, did you ask if you could pet that? And so we got in a big fight about <laughs> at the koalas. I recorded the oh, whole really? thing, and it was just, it was just everything is a shit show in my family. Like 
everything but that's everyone's family and that's yeah. why i think people identify is that it is like when i was on vacation with my kids last week and it was an amazing time but there were these moments of drama like just like screaming fights yeah. of my children and them beating each other <laughs> and i'm still like it was a great week <laughs> do you know what i mean because there's just so much drama in life do you have to run bits by them and go hey I, this happened and i want to talk about it on stage not not really i mean i there's you know it's it's generally i wouldn't do anything that would oh. embarrass them that much i talked about my girls having their periods on conan <laughs> why because it could because my youngest threw herself a period party and oh i was like gosh. that's so fucking interesting and i threw it i had to throw the party i had to buy all the stuff for it so i was like i'm definitely talking about this on stage yeah. didn't run it by them just did it on conan they watched it that night and then and isla just goes yo he's making fun of us and my, my wife goes yeah she goes i thought he would like celebrate how cool it was my wife's like no baby no one has a period party She's like, I thought everyone had period parties. She's like, no, that's why dad is making fun of it. It's so weird that you did that and you named your period. Like not a lot of people name their periods. Oh, that's she was like, oh, so now something will happen and she'll be like, hey, like can't talk about this on stage. I'll be like, all right, I'm cool. I get it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you doing yeah, this. I know course. you get our swamp today. It's a never ending journey. And I, you know, it's like, I don't understand how, uh, you know, talking on a podcast is tiring. I mean, we're literally sitting down and friends catching up, and I'm like, I'm going to need a nap. I think it fucks with your serotonin. I think, what are, what are the podcasts you're doing today? I'm doing Larry King. Shut up. Larry King. And then I did Access Hollywood before. Good so. guy. I saw you on Segura's podcast. Oh, yeah. That was great. He was loves great. you. Oh, really? Oh, loves you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. he, he You guys, I'm telling you, man really yeah you got what would be the ultimate tour if you had to put you with three other comedians kings of comedy style who would you like to who would you who oh do you think that you could sell a hundred thousand tickets to you and two three other guys i don't know i mean i would love to see you rogan Chappelle. i think it would be like a, the thing is is rogan and Chappelle. you've already sold Forty thousand tickets. You don't need anyone else. Uh, but I think I think you know I mean? I'm, I'm talking about di your fan base is someone is a group that is like your fan base is like, I mean, just like it's very yours. Like I share from Joe's. I, I probably don't even touch Chappelle's audience. I don't think they know who I am. Yeah. But like I share from Joe's, from Tom's, from Joey's. But yours is like this out. It's like when Kimmel showed up on the scene. They're like, he's got. He only has 3 million viewers, which at the time was low, but they're like, but no one else's ratings changed. So those are 3 million people that oh, wow. weren't watching television. That's interesting. That's your fan base is, is like, is like people that are getting, a lot of them are getting introduced to comedy through you. I think yeah. you're like that, that you're the, you're the, um, I'm the gateway, gateway drug. <laughs> well, dude, drug. congratulations on the Amazon special. Congratulations so on all the movies. Do you know all the seven movies coming out this year? I do know them. American Dreamer, Them That Follow, uh, Being Frank. That's the one I'm dying to see. Uh, there's Light From Light, which is a super indie, and uh, Playmobil, which is an animated one. I think that's seven. I don't know. And then the special drops this Friday? This Friday. Yeah, but wait a minute. When does this air? When, when do you want it to air? 
I'd like it to. Does it air this Friday? This Friday. This Friday? Yeah. Then we drop, we'll drop it today. Okay, so I should do it beforehand. We'll do what? Oh, wait a minute. We should drop it now. Well, I don't or, know. Wait a minute. Maybe we drop it on Friday. Can we well, drop I gotta, it? I got to drop it on Wednesday. You got to drop it on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's how my ad sales works. Oh yeah. So wait, your so special you do, comes out this actual Friday, correct? Yes. Okay. Cause, okay. Because we'll I'm doing it. Rogan tomorrow, so I don't know if you want to not be. Oh, you know what? I'll do. I, let's drop it. Let's drop it next week. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, because that way yeah. people can go immediately and go get it. Okay, great. You doing Rogan today? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. What? You gonna smoke I did pot? It. You gonna smoke pot? I, you know, I don't know. I did it two years ago, and but like that was when he used to do it at the Ice House. Yeah. So do they still smoke before everyone? Oh yeah. I gotta do Kimmel after. I'm not gonna. Smoke oh pot. fuck. Yes, get high. I mean, uh, no disrespect. Yeah. No disrespect to Jimmy Kimmel. But I guarantee you, you get more viewers on Kimmel if you smoke pot with Rogan on Rogan's and then go to Kimmel High. Everyone will tune in, Jim. Everyone will be like just watching you on. Oh, my so God. Is be, everyone high all the time? On no, but it's, it's the funnest. Like if you go on Rogan, you're like, I wouldn't mind trying a blunt. Joe's going to light up. It'll be the best fucking podcast ever. Yeah, All of no, us will get so it's like the it's like when he just had Bernie Sanders on and, you yeah. know, Bernie had to have said, listen, I can't smoke pot. I can't do the Elon Musk thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll post this next week and everyone yeah. will have heard you on Rogan. That's yeah. going to be a great appearance. Okay, man. Good. Fuck. Yeah, that's awesome, nice. man. That's fun. I'm so excited for you, dude. So you do one a week. I do one a week. And do you and you can do them from anywhere. I can do it. I can do it here, but yeah, I can do it anywhere. Oh, but like, do you bank them? Like, yeah, I bank them, and then I I can post them whenever, and I can do them on the road. And so that guy over there does the editing of the videos. Yeah. If there's anything you want taken out, just let him know. He'll tell it, take it out. Not that I know of. Yeah, I think we're fine. Um, so interesting. So right. how many downloads do you get? A lot. How many? Oh, you can, can't oh, you say it out loud. Uh, if you say it out loud, all right here, turn off the cam. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you're superstitious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh, you are Catholic. <laughs> Dude, thank you for doing this, Jim. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.